Day, and this is Warthog! Welcome to Ramones of the Day, the podcast examining every Ramones song alphabetically from 53rd to the word zero. I'm Philip. And I'm Molly. And with us today, via cell phone, um, is Matt Lolia, known to fans as Little Matt. Hello. Hello. Hi. How's it going? How are you doing? <laughs> We're doing all right. Um, Matt, is is that a, a nickname that you approve of, Little Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't mind. I mean, you know the story of Big Matt and Little Matt. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't really remember who actually came up with that, I guess, by size-wise, obviously. <laughs> Somebody coined that, and it kind of stuck. <laughs> but Matt was only there for a year. Oh, funny. So you uh, just pick it up and you yeah. just carry it for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of what happened. That's funny. Um, some of the guys used to laugh about it later because I wasn't little anymore. And, uh, you know, obviously I had gotten older. But, yeah, Matt was there for one year, and he left. And you were there. Go back to... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was there for, oh, let's see. I, I think my first show was in 77, and I left, or 76, and I left in 87, 88. Okay. I, I left about six months before Dee Dee left. Wow. Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, I had, and I had missed a year, about a year, maybe seven months. Um, I'm not sure of that exact year. But yeah, I was there um, pretty much straight through all that. Yeah. Nice. Well, qualifications through the roof. <laughs> uh, and Matt, how did you like, I mean, you must have enjoyed it at some point because you did it for so many years, but how how, how was that life touring so much? Oh, excuse me. It was, come on, I was 17 years old. Yeah, when I yeah. And me and Matt had dreams of being in a band ourselves. And the next thing you know, through a phone call from a friend of a friend, um, I got the job. And it, it, I kind of forced their hand to take Matt, too. <laughs> and um, it was like, you know, we couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's like a, it was like, you know, we're really doing this. That's awesome. Um, and Matt was about to go to college. His mother let him take him over here to do this. And then she kind of put her foot down. <laughs> and I stayed, and obviously, and he left. <laughs> and... Um, it was like I said. It was what kids dream of doing. Yeah, I was I was doing, not knowing at that time what the Ramones would be now, though. Yeah, I mean, who could know that? <laughs> right. I mean, they, they, you know, it was rough. It was rough in the beginning. Yeah. You know, you know, there wasn't a lot of money, and it was driving trucks and driving bands, pulling new haul trucks, and playing little dumps all over the country. <laughs> You know, it was not glamorous. No. You know, at, at all. Um, but it was fun, and it was great, and yeah. it was, you know, it was a, a lesson in life. You, know, you kind of learned a lot. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Now, did you also audition to be a drummer for the Ramones? No. 
No. No, I don't. I, I can't play the drums to save my life. <laughs> okay. I, I thought that was a story about Richie that you were going to go audition and he found out about the audition through you. No, it was uh, a, another drum tech. Like, uh, I was the steady guy mm-hmm. with um, doing the back line and the guitars and this their guy. Um, and then there was a tour on Monty, obviously. And drum techs, we kind of went through every couple of months or every tour. Mm. And we had this drum tech, Larry Tchaikovsky, who worked for the shirts, Annie Golden in the shirts. Sure. Yeah. Right. And he lived in the shirts house. They had a brownstone in downtown Brooklyn. And Richie was going out with Annie. And he recommended him. Hmm. And Richie came down and got the job. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Um, and I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't, I don't, I keep trying to stop you. <laughs> well, you know the deal when Richie, when Mark, I thought, did you read Mark's book? We've pretty much read all the books. <laughs> <We've got> the, <laughs> we should do, we you should know, do yeah, like a wrap up of Mark, like, here's our books. Yeah. Mark lived right next door to me in the next building. Mm-hmm. Lived, coincidentally, too. And my, not my job, I mean, I was friendly with Mark, but kind of like my responsibility was to get him to rehearsal. Okay. <laughs> he didn't drive, and, you know, he drank a lot, obviously, everyone knows. That's yeah. He was thrown out. And um, they, when they made the decision to get rid of him, I kind of had to lie to him and tell him, oh, he said, are we going to rehearsal? I said, oh, there's no rehearsal. Uh. And I had to go. And he said, well, what are you doing today? I said, oh, I've got things to do. Oh. And really, they went, they were auditioning drummers. And then when he found out, I knew he didn't talk to me for many years. Oh, my well, God. Because he blamed me. Wow. Not blamed me wholly, but you know what I mean? Like, I betrayed him. Yeah. yeah. But That's... to me, it was like, who's paying my salary? Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, he, he, he comes back, <laughs> you know? I mean. Right, right came back yeah um, I would see him in Brooklyn um, but he refused to speak to me well, yeah you know and um, but since then he's reached out to me and he didn't bad mouth me in his book he actually that, told some funny stories yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I I actually Marky's book I think is my favorite is it? rendition I, well just because I, his story's so fascinating you know that it starts pre Pre Ramones, yeah, and deals with that stuff, yeah. And, yeah, 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 and his whole like when he's a he's a bike messenger for a while after they kick him out and stuff. I mean, it's just fascinating. The crazy thing is, he there was a liquor store a couple blocks away. He was working there for a while, mm. and, and you know, ironic, right? Yeah, yeah. Sam Malone <laughs> working in a liquor store. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's what could go wrong. So, right. <laughs> so Matt, who's your favorite Ramon? Right on the spot. Am I allowed to ask that? Yeah. Um, I mean, is there anyone, Ramon, that you got along with more than the others? And I mean, it's hard to say. I, I uh, you know, I, I basically worked for John, right? Yeah, and yeah. That was, you know, and the side thing was doing DD in the bass, but John was the boss. Yeah. Everyone knows. Yeah. I had a lot of respect for John. For his work ethic, you know, you know the stories about yeah. John. But he could be a hard on too. <laughs> so I didn't love him, but I respected him. Yeah. Dee Dee, 
I had a good relationship with, and we maintained our friendship after. But Dee Dee was a lot of work. Yeah, but it also so seemed I, like Dee Dee was a lot of fun. But work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fun work. <laughs> because I, I, I can be a mess up too, and I was in those years. When sure. It came to those substances. Yeah. But Dee Dee takes it to a whole other level. Yeah, yeah. You know? Definitely. Because Dee Dee now, years later, we all realized that. Dee had psychological problems. Right. Whereas I didn't have those. I just had substance problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know, did, did Richie tell the story about New Orleans in his book? I, uh, ooh, it's fresh. I, I read it. I got it for Christmas. So it's like, I blazed through it. I believe so. Yes. About go, us going out? Yeah. I think so. We were staying. Yeah, yeah. And, and we hid from him. Uh-huh. Yes. He, Right. He was like a bad kid. Yeah. <laughs> and you never knew what was, what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, oh, sorry. I was going to say. Yeah. To answer your question, I can't really say I have a favorite. I like them all in different ways. Nice. That's a, that's, that's a, a great answer. That's that's our like thesis. Yeah, I think that that's the answer that we both would give too. Yeah. It's like, how can you pick a favorite? That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Joey, I like. In terms of Joey would hang out in our room a lot hmm. because the guy that I shared a room with at the time for a while it was that guy Bubbles Mitch Keller. Oh yeah, and they always became very tight with Joey because that was their guy. They did drums and took care of Joey. Uh huh. You know, did his mic stand and got him what he needed, and um, I, I love talking music with Joey. Yeah, yeah. Because Joey was a music fan, and I'm a music fan. Yeah. As I told you, my feelings bother you, right? Yes, but Matt, are you willing to repeat those feelings on air? I I don't look. I appreciated them. Well, let's let, let's start from the beginning. When I got the job at seventeen, I was a Led Zeppelin guy. Yeah. Tommy was my neighbor from the time I was five years old. Oh, funny. When I saw them the first time in Max's Kansas City, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> you know, I did not relate. Um, I grew to appreciate what they were doing in them, but I've always been a guitar guy, mm-hmm. you know, um, so when we did the, um, Black Sabbath and Van Halen show in Atlanta, okay, Eddie Van Halen became my guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it was Mark's guy too. Because mm. Mark is a guitar guy. Uh-huh. You know, Mark is old school, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And, um. So I appreciate the Ramones for what they did. I appreciated them live. Uh, listening to them on record or tape or whatever, that was never my thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. That's I mean, no, but yes. <laughs> well, no, I, I get it. I get it. Well, it also makes sense that especially if you were like... A guitar guy. Well, especially a guitar guy. And, I mean, if you're there at like you know, the zero point. You yeah. Have no precedent for it. Like I said, or like I have, you have your tastes already and they're all, yeah. I and mean, you're, like, you're seeing them live, which is the most electric version of them. So, yeah. so I mean, it makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right. Why would you change? I, mean, they, I felt it was better. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't unconsciously, but for me, the worker was better that way, hmm. you know, because my work was pure. It wasn't because I was a fan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Sure. Yeah. No, it, it makes sense. A it's a job. Yeah, definitely. 
So I want to I want to use that as a way to transition into the song we're talking about today because I think you even said it's one of your favorites. It is. Um, we are we are talking about Warthog. Um, this is from Too Tough to Die, 1984's Too Tough to Die. It it's credited as written by I have to get through some things here, Matt. Sorry, I to get uh, it's written by Dee Dee and Johnny. Although I feel like it's mostly a Dee Dee thing. Um, my own made up sound, song category. I'm giving this fighting slash mental illness because it seems like it's really angry, but sure. it's got some problems. <laughs> yeah, well, weasel face. We <laughs> you have the face of a weasel. We're so. getting there too. Um, so yeah, on the way to playing it live. Um, so we have adjusted stats here, but I found 486 confirmed performances, which adjusts to a little over 1,100, which is so. Matt, a lot. Are, are you aware of um, uh, what is the what is the uh, website FM? Oh, he yes, uh, setlist.fm. Setlist.fm. Do you know about this website, Matt? Our unofficial yeah, I, unofficial I sponsor. I heard you guys talk about it. Yeah. Oh, uh huh. Um. Not, not really, though. <laughs> no. it's. I mean, it's basically, it only has stats on what's in it. So I think yeah. there's only, like, that's why I say 486 confirmed. But right. adjusting with super math, mm-hmm. it comes out to more than 1,000. And pretty much, I think that means that once it entered the set, it was there. I mean, that was no, like... Was great song live. Yeah? Yeah. A great song live, and uh, I can distinctly remember recording John loving telling Dee Dee to sing it really sick. <laughs> you know, he liked he liked the sick, you know, the way Dee Dee could go on his songs. Yeah, with that with that real punk thing, he he lo- he loved it, and maybe part of that was taken away from Joey a little bit, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I totally get. I that's my like. And yeah, maybe that's you have fuel for that fire. But my sort of like not conspiracy theory, but the idea was that I feel like Johnny kept pushing Dee Dee to the microphone, kind of thinking in the background. I was like, man, if we could just get him, I could get rid of that guy if I just had Dee Dee. Well, be yeah, the but singer. also Dee Dee's whole aesthetic is way more punk rock than Joey's is. True. True. Right. You know, and Joey's a singer, and Dee Dee's a punk rock guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, the crowd watching the audience doing that song. Or any of those the hardcore songs was great. Yeah, it was great. I mean, definitely one of my favorite live songs. Well, I I also love this song, and I was thinking when I was just listening to it over and over again for this is that I feel like this song might be one of the best, if not the best, punk songs of all time. Wow, bold. I can agree. Yeah, you're. Good. I mean, I really sincerely feel so happy when I hear it. So I want to get through. I want to get through some tedious stats. Yes, first, please. But then I want to talk about our feelings with this because yes. I feel like there's a. It's a lot. It's nothing else. This song is emotion. But um, real quick, I wanted to mention for us, Molly. This has a one, two, three, four. We're yep. very excited. Yep, that is exciting. Um, it was the back uh, a B side to a single. Um, so you bought the single for Howlin' at the Moon. And the B-side was this. So uh-huh. That must have been so weird real for people. <laughs> scenario. Um, but speaking of Richie, he did the background vocals for this. Yeah. I sometimes can't hear him on the record, but every time I've seen like a live performance, he's the one screaming in the back. Now, on that set list, after 
more came back. You didn't do it anymore, did they? That's what I was trying to figure out was I, I didn't go that deep into it um, to try to find, like, okay, who would have done it at that time? I feel like a lot of those uh, later periods are obviously when CJ takes over and he does it. Right, right. And he just does all yeah. of it. He just does all of it. But yeah, the Richie... The Richie background vocal. It's funny that Richie is the background. That again is like they had two vocal opportunities and they're like, nope, not Joey. We're giving it to the, to the guy we just hired for drums and and the punk rock Popeye voice. Um, yeah, that was, oh, go ahead. I guess CJ, CJ could have done it. Yeah. Well, definitely during that time. That was actually a point of contention, I think, for some fans because they saw that as such a signature, like DD, DD thing, yeah. Opus. Yeah, that for someone else to sing it was like some people considered it blasphemy, but it seems like it was like, well, look, we want to play this song. And is this the first time that Dee Dee's singing on an album? No, no, no. There's a couple no. before this, okay. but this is definitely this is the first time with this type, which you wouldn't even call right. singing. This is the yeah, yeah, yeah. The barking. Yeah. The barking dog. We were just talking about. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I can distinctly remember Johnny Tang sounds sick <laughs> do it. and the sicker he sounded that happier john was. That, was that was actually a question i wanted to ask you because in your role with this band i didn't know if you like you know just went away and then they recorded and then they showed up for the concert and like oh we're doing this and then you're like oh there's that song or but you were there around the origin of this i take it yeah but i you know what yeah i started to detach myself Mm. You know, um, like I said, it was a job. Mm-hmm. And recording, I, I, I don't know how much you're aware, can be tedious. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, and um, so to me, it was just come in, set up, and go sit outside with Monty. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't involved. Richie, when Richie was writing his song, somebody put something in my drink and Humankind and stuff like that, he would play me stuff when I was over his house. He wrote that uh, um, Casio. Oh and, yeah, um, but again, I you know it, it became more and more just a job. To me. So it was like when I wasn't there, I didn't care. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> totally. And whatever they were going to do, they were going to do. I think that road to ruin, um, we kind of all hopped up that this was going to be it, mm-hmm. you know, and they were going to break. Was sedated, and when none of that happened, it kind of was like the air went out of the balloon a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for me anyway. Yeah. So I think, like I said, it was a job. It became a job. Yeah, it became yeah. A tedious job at that. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. That's yeah. why there was a, um, a withdrawals when I finally left, but also relief when I left. Definitely. Well, yeah. Well, you just you know you yeah you can just check into whatever you want and not have to worry about like oh I got to be there yeah, for I every mean, part. That's emotionally taxing. Yeah. The the, the withdrawal I think came from. Being a normal human being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You kind of walk around like you're on cloud nine when you do that. You feel special. Yeah. yeah. And, but the relief came with, as Dee Dee said to me when he would come over to my apartment in Manhattan, we're not on the slave ship anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're free. We're yeah. free. We don't have to do that. And Dee Dee was all happy because he, the more they toured and sold, the more money, you know, he was making money. Yeah. Because of the royalties and True. 
merch and everything. So Didi was thrilled to, you know, branch out and do his own thing and not have to deal with that stuff. Yeah. Like being being in the Johnny Ramone army. So yeah. <laughs> it's like a semi semi retired. Uh, so it was like semi retired at that point. Yeah. You know, I mean that's kind of what you from the band at least he's retired, so then you can just sort of yeah, let that thing go and do your own thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Um and like I said, it was the frustration. You know, it, yeah. it was frustrating for me. I, I, I know it was for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that they never broke. Yeah. You know, all these... Um. Molly, do you have any other facts, or can we get to the to your big, um, your well, big I, statement? I just had a little. I just had some side facts. Uh, there's actually two bands called Warthog. Okay. One is a Ramones tribute band. Naturally. And one is like a really hardcore punk band that was pretty interesting. I, I'm They're both obviously okay. calling themselves Warthog because of the Ramones, so. Sort of like the hardcore, well, Bad Brains kind of did hardcore too, but that same type of thing where you take one of the titles. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. And, um, you know, you said you said that you thought this song was a hardcore song, Matt. Um, I, I just wanted to read this quote real quick that I found from this review, um, which says, In 1994, the Ramones thought it would be a good idea to make a hardcore album, Too Tough to Die. It must not be very good because the Ramones weren't hardcore. The Ramones weren't hardcore. So, so this idea that the Ramones are hardcore punk as a genre... I don't know when I when I hear people talk about the Ramones as hardcore punk, I'm like, I don't know if the Ramones are hardcore punk. No. I wouldn't think that. I wouldn't call them hardcore punk. No. I would say they're a punk band. Well, you know, like it, in about 8 years, so many little factions of what yeah. this punk that punk was. Yeah. It's like they they were the thing that started that ball rolling. This yeah. is like they're contribution to that but it's I mean, not Matt I mean, I did you guys or did the band talk about themselves as a rock and roll band as a punk band like how, how did they how did you guys all see yourselves um I don't know if they, they call, thought of themselves as a punk band hmm. I think they accepted that's the category they were put in but they wanted um, to be a pop band I mean I feel like they popular yeah yeah successful band. yeah, yeah, successful yeah. Band. That's, you know, I mean, that, that they wanted to be successful. Yeah. Um, so that's why they tried the um, Spectre record, the Graham Gould record, the Richie Cordell, the um, Joan Jett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, they, and then they finally just gave up. Yeah. <laughs> nothing they did worked, you know? Yeah. And that's when they went back to doing, uh, you know, Animal Boy and, this harder because it was pointless. It just wasn't happening. But Matt, when when yeah. they went back to the, when in their later albums, when they just decided, you know, screw it, we're just going to do whatever we want. Do you think that they were um, enjoying making music during those years? Enjoying. It. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Dee and Joey were very creative. Yeah. And Dee Dee, you know, whether it was painting or writing, his brain was always going. Yeah. And the same thing with Joey. Joey I mean, it seemed like Dee Dee must have written a song every single day. <laughs> right. Dee Dee's, his brain was always going. Yeah. Um, and the same with Joey. I mean, you know, the thing with John, it was a job. Yeah. For him. You know, he didn't 
practice. He wasn't a guitar guy. He did what he did, and that was it. And he had a goal for money. And I think that, as been written, he had a goal to retire with a certain amount of money. And he did. And, and he did. Yeah. They called it a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. The, 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 that doing touring that way for that many years wears you down. You it's know, um, they couldn't yeah. do what these other bands do that are, you know, hugely successful. You two or somebody like that, where mm-hmm. they can tour every couple of years and make millions of dollars on a six or eight month tour and then sit back for two years. Yeah. You know, they had to be constantly on the road because the records didn't sell. Yeah. And the only money came from merchandise or shows. And then the bigger money came from overseas in the later years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, after I was gone. Yeah. <laughs> South well, I mean, America. yeah, they got so huge in South America. Yeah, but, you know, that's work to go there. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, it, it's not all fun and games. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it, it's like a marriage where you're with people and you don't love them anymore. <laughs> you know, so there's mental stuff going on. And, you know, I think that you just could, that's why they hung it up, which I respect them for. Yeah. You know, they just, I, I just feel bad that they didn't get to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. That's what we always say yeah, on this crazy. show. Yeah. Is that is just too bad they yeah. didn't get to enjoy it because yeah, so mean, good. Yeah, I shake my head when I think about them not being here. And yeah. They haven't been here for so many years. That, I know. You know, and then our tour on top of that. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that, you know, what a twist of fate that yeah. this would happen. You know? Um, um, Molly, you said this is the what? You said this is the best punk song? I think this is the best punk song of all time, yeah. Wow. And Matt, this is your favorite of the Ramones songs, is that right? One of them, yes. So that was my question. I think this being the best punk song. Okay. But that was my question. If you're a guitar guy, is it just... Are you just taking this as it is, or is it just like an exception to to your rule? Or how does it fit into that? To that mold. I think I'm just taking it for what it is. Okay. Uh, and uh, knowing the song so well and seeing it live, um, I, yes, I, you know, and what's a punk song? I don't even, who's punk? Yeah. <laughs> True. True. You know, with the Pistols, punk? Yeah. Um, Do you think they were more punk than the Ramones? No way. I mean, I personally think the Ramones invented punk rock. I'll, I'll be, I'll be on that fence. All right. I'll get on the I side mean, of that. Punk is minimalism. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's and a it, weird term. And if it's yeah. And it, well, I would think most people would say it's it's like I said, very minimal instrumentation or variation. So we've got that with this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually very aggressive, right. so it's obviously there and kind of angry. That's in there too. <laughs> right. And yeah, um, and it's just all done in a flash, just mm-hmm. screamed at you, and then it's over. So what was yes. the, so what you said, you told the story about, you know, like sing it sick. Were you there for like the first time that they played this live in front of a crowd? Or were you thinking like, oh man, wait till this thing happens or what, what did, I don't know if you remember anything like that or, or I, particular I performances. I, I remember the first time. I mean, <laughs> That's all right. 
Jeff, oh, you didn't write it down in your journal. <laughs> no, 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 no. August 14th. <laughs> but even in the, before um, Warthog, the, the, the second half of the set, you know, with California Sun, and that, I mean, that was always real exciting. Mm. You know, watching the kids. Watch, you know, me and John would watch the kids. Mm-hmm. Johnny, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. when we did the festivals. Yeah. Um, he would look at me and point people out to me and kids slam dancing in the smosh pits you know and it was just very exciting hmm. that's fun you know and uh, the speed of it yeah you know and this the fervor like I said they, they were live that that's really what they were to me yeah yeah. And, you know you had to and you had to grow into them or get used to it because obviously in like in England and stuff overseas sound guys and you know English lighting guys and when they would first see them <laughs> how was this <laughs> you know, the, the tour that we did with, where they did the, the live album the Z album yeah the, the monitor guy had just come from Genesis <laughs> um, the sound guy I think one of the lighting guys had just done Motorhead but that's comparable yeah that's definitely not that's not far off but Genesis and, I don't know but Genesis <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and I think it was Peter Gabriel Genesis too. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was something to get used to. Yeah. I, love, I love it that like they're telling this was a sound guy or monitor guy. It's like so you got to be ready for these guys. It's like, hey, I work with Genesis. I know what I'm up. I know what I'm up against. So like, all right, good luck. <laughs> I still think there are a lot of people that don't get them. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely day. true. That's definitely true. But I, mean, I think that people are getting them more and more all the time now. I don't know. Do you think? Yes, absolutely. I think it comes. I think it comes in. I think it goes in waves because I think that like the t-shirt thing is probably the most consistent. And the weird like residual fact of that is that the t-shirt has the original four on it, so that mostly. And I can speak for myself when I first started getting into the band that drew me only to those first albums mm-hmm. it took me a while it took me a while to get too 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 tough to die to this yeah album, yeah just because you're kind of it's it's just what you're exposed to i mean yeah you just didn't hear that as i don't hear this song in movie trailers you know so but then when you do until we make a movie that until is so you make a movie about <laughs> warthogs um but then when you do then you're like oh my god there's a, like a whole other you yeah, but I mean, uh, well, first of all, the Ramones have been in car commercials, I'm pretty sure. You know, I mean, they're like in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. Like, the Ramones are in a lot of media now that they weren't in in the 80s. So sure. that's that. Then number two, a lot of everybody's favorite bands always tout the Ramones as their, you know, some a band they love. So that educates the public on to go mm-hmm. check out the Ramones. You know, so I think there's a lot of different ways that people are finding out about the Ramones now that they didn't have access to before. Plus, 27 people uh, listen to this podcast. So I mean. <laughs> Thousands, sir. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I feel well, like it. For 20 people. Yeah, yeah, but in the 70s and the 80s, the one of the only ways you could find out about or hear music was on the radio. So if they weren't getting played on the radio, sure. then unless you just bought a lot of records or you list, you had some college radio access. I mean. I just feel like now with the internet and all this stuff, it's just, they're so much more accessible. I went down, I, I, I did this like little journey into like 
the pre-punk sort of garage rock era. So like Trashman <laughs> and the Monks and stuff like that. And just, just like following that down. And it was interesting because, and even on like the Wikipedia page about it, it sort of ends in the 70s punk with bands like the Ramones. Yeah. And it's funny, in the context of that, it it made me think, it was like, oh, well, all these bands are kind of like club bands. Yeah. You know, everyone there. So then you, so in that way, I'm kind of like, oh, so it sort of fits in this realm. Yeah. But then without all the, like you say, the influence of like, you know, U2 loves the Ramones and, mm-hmm. and Guns and Rose, you know, like these enormous Yeah, and groups. Eddie Vedder and, yeah. you know. They all... Legitimately did. Yeah. You know that I, I, when I took a little break, I think it was around the what was that Grand Groove album? But we want the airwaves. Uh that's Pleasant Dreams. It's like eighty eighty one. Well, I, I took a little break there, and I ended up working for of all people, Chubby Checker. <laughs> hey. <laughs> which was uh, well, which which was an experience. I bet. <laughs> and then uh, a friend. Um, this guy, Frank Gallagher, sound man, have you ever heard of him? No, no. I don't know. He's Talking Heads, B-52s, Lines. Okay. He's been around. He called me and said, there's this band coming over from Ireland, and they need a guitar tech. And that was you too. Huh. And wow. this was for, for their October album, which they did a short tour. And I did the tour, and we ended up playing back in... Uh, Island. It's called Malibu, and the sound guy for you two wanted to know how much PA to bring into the room, so I called Monty, and Monty asked me, are you back working? And I said, yeah, he said, well, we want to have you back. So when you two left, I wound up back with the Ramones. Hmm. That was right before the Us Festival. Yeah. And, and um, years later, we were in England, we did that Milton Keynes Festival, where you two was headlining, and R.E.M. was and we were somewhere low down on the bill. Anyway, backstage, Bono and Larry Mullen, the drummer, came up to me and said, please, please introduce us to Joey. Oh, that's <laughs> the coolest. And I brought them into the dressing room, and Bono looked up at Joey like Joey was God. Wow. <laughs> I thought you were going to say great. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, did you hear the tribute album? The tribute album, which one? The, the Ramones that. tribute album, and you two had a song on that. Uh, yeah, Beat on the Brat. Yeah. Beat on the Brat. Yeah, it's legit. They are definitely legit. When we we played in Belfast at this place called the TV Club, no, actually it was Dublin. The whole U2 crew was there. Hmm. And at the end of the night, we were packing up our equipment, and they were talking to me, and they said, Matt, everyone on this crew wishes they worked for the Ramones. Wow. And I was like, wait, you work for like the biggest band in the world. Yeah, right. And said, we love the Ramones. That's so awesome. So uh, about those other guys, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing that story. That was so great. Well, we have come to a point where we have to vote on this song. So I am going to give it, I'm voting a love. I'm assuming Molly is voting a love. I'm going to love this song. I'm I'm pretty sure, Matt, that you will also want to love this song. Yes. But love, I'm not going to speak for you. <laughs> love all around. Uh, we also get you. You also get to vote uh, on who you v- feel the most valuable Ramon is on this track. That seems 
Molly, I'll give you the chance to say the most obvious answer. Uh, I mean, I usually say Joey, Matt, um, because I love Joey. But I think everybody knows how awesome Dee Dee is. And although Johnny helped write this song, I think because Dee Dee sings on it and helped write it. And it's... It's a Dee Dee song. It's a Dee Dee song. And I, I actually heard... I read a couple places where they said they wrote this song about a guy who had a wart face that they didn't like. That's, a warthog that's, face. That's a- Oh, oh, sorry. That's the next one. Weasel face. That's sorry. Never one. mind. That's a different one. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that. Save it. Uh, so, Matt, do you want to cast your vote? Yeah, Dee Dee. Yeah. This is a Dee Dee song. I think that's the right answer. Yeah, I'm there pretty is, sure. Sometimes it's subjective, but other times you're like, look. <laughs> it's look, obvious. Man. Yeah, it's obvious. Um, well, cool. Uh, Matt, can you stick around for a couple more? Yeah, sure. Great. Uh, Molly, got anything else to add about Warthog? Tonight? I, th- I think we covered a lot of things. We have. Well, uh, Matt, thank you for joining us uh, on this show. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can follow us at, we're at Ramones Podcast on Twitter. And you can join us next time when we'll be discussing We Want the Airwaves on Ramones of the Day. Ramones of the Day.